Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. Nothing symbolized the enduring presumptions of white supremacy in America, quite like the majestic statue of Robert E. Lee that anchored other Confederate statues along Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. Therefore, nothing demonstrated America's intent to reckon with white supremacy, quite like the way Richmond tore down those statues, which ended with the removal of Lee's last September. In fact, Richmond imbued that occasion with intentional symbolism, because just days later, after 10 years of planning and fundraising, it erected the Emancipation and Freedom Monument. And so it was, that never before in the course of human history had one monument replacing another represented so much redemption and symbolized so much hope. I am all too mindful, however, that it took Black Lives Matter protests in the wake of the infamous killing of George Floyd for monuments like Lee's to come tumbling down. Here is how I expressed consternation in this respect in the blog commentary to remove Confederate monuments, just vote on June 28, 2020. Those monuments have been standing for over 100 years as tributes to the Confederacy of Traitors who lost the Civil War. As such, they are reminders, not just of America's original sin of slavery, but of the legacy of racism that followed it. I shall leave it to psychologists to explain why this killing triggered the frenzy tearing down of those statues. But I do not condone this lynch mob approach, not to mention that those involved seem more interested in nihilistic grandstanding than in tearing down monuments to white supremacy. As simply put, though, it should be as illegal to publicly display Confederate symbols in America as it is to publicly display Nazi symbols in Germany. End quote. But the cause to tear down monuments to white supremacy is rife with conflicts and contradictions. This is why so many in the vanguard of those championing this cause have been hoisted by their own petard. Not least because, to be historically methodical and morally consistent, they would have to begin with monuments to George Washington. No. <laughs>
mind you, reading just two of my blog commentaries would have spared them that public humiliation. Because, as it turns out, I may have been the first to begin tightening the noose on politically incorrect monuments, namely in Washington Monuments KKK Imagery on October 2, 2011. Uh, by the way, am I really the only one who thinks the hoods of KKK robes were inspired by the pointy head of that monument? <laughs> and in the Washington Monument, father of all monuments to racists, on August 18, 2017. The latter commentary includes this instructive take, and I quote, I can think of 99 things that bother me about racism in America today, but a Confederate statue ain't one. If challenged to settle this monument's issue, however, I would deem the only historically tenable, even if morally specious way to do so, would be to focus on the Civil War, bearing in mind the maxims, to the victor go the spoils, and history is written by the victors. The Civil War was supposed to marginalize the racist ideology that rationalized black slavery and white supremacy. It failed. Nothing demonstrated this, quite like the hundreds of monuments vanquished Southerners erected to honor those who fought and died to preserve their racist ideology. It's particularly noteworthy that they did this in reaction to and defiance of racial advancement during the period from Reconstruction in the 1860s to the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s, a.k.a. the Jim Crow period. That's when they erected the Lee statue at issue in 1924. For example, end quote. In short, nearly a decade before BLM protesters discovered how littered America was with monuments to white supremacy, I was already writing commentaries on ways to clean them up. And therefore, imagine my dismay as I watched BLM protesters lynch statues dedicated to racists of all types over the past two years. In fact, self-proclaimed, topple-the-racist protesters meted out mob justice on nearly 100 statues of white explorers, white crusaders, white slave traders, white slave owners, white segregationists, white supremacists, 
white industrialists, white jurists, white scholars, and even white writers, all in lily white England alone. My indignation became such that I felt constrained to throw a little shade at the self-proclaimed Avengers doing the same where I hail from down in the Caribbean. I did so in, if removing statues redresses racism, shouldn't we begin with those to the Queen? On June 10, 2020, as follows. Before lynching statues of white folks, protesters in the Caribbean should prevail upon our leaders to begin systematically cutting all Lilliputian cords of obligations to our former colonial masters, and foremost in this respect, would be cutting off the Queen as head of state abolishing the UK's Privy Council as our highest court of appeal, and ending the British honours system, which only apes their venal and pretentious class system. All else is folly. End quote. The point, though, is that tearing down statues indiscriminately will have about as much impact on the legacy of racism as a flea nipping on the butt of an elephant. This is why it is so important to distinguish between historical monuments and monuments to white supremacy. Case in point is the ongoing spat over the fate of the statue of former President Theodore Roosevelt that stood in front of the Museum of Natural History in New York City for 80 years. Thanks to BLM protests, it too was torn down from its pedestal in January. The problem, as the New York Post reported this week, is that so-called woke academics and cancel culture activists want it melted down and turned into scrap metal. But museum officials have agreed to send it on indefinite loan to the Theodore Roosevelt Presidential Library in Medora, North Dakota. Uh, for the record, nobody who has seen this statue can deny that it is a more monument to white supremacy than historical monument. But for those of you who haven't, this statue features Roosevelt sitting astride a horse like a conquering Caesar, with a trophy black and Indian standing on each side like his eunuch footman. <laughs> Some argue that it has educational and cultural value. But nobody needs a gratuitously offensive statue like that on public display to learn about the presumptions, prerogatives, and predations of the white man 
in late 19th century to early 20th century America. No doubt this is why those academics and activists are insisting that Roosevelt's statue should burn in purgatory, just like Lee's. I honestly couldn't care less. But if such statues are spared the furnace, museums like the one in North Dakota are where they belong. Frankly, if the curators of Roosevelt's legacy want people to remember him as a pioneering racist, I don't give a damn. I referred earlier to the criminalization of Nazi symbols in Germany. I mean, imagine a post-war Munich where a monument boulevard is landmarked with statues of Nazi leaders and anchored with a majestic one of Adolf Hitler himself. Uh, granted, Conquering American and Allied forces were the ones who first banned the swastika and all other Nazi symbols. But the Germans readily adopted those prohibitions as their own. It's just that, apropos of conflicts and contradictions, while Americans were banning racist symbols over there, they were still honoring them over here. This, in the form of the aforementioned statues to the slave-holding confederates who triggered the Civil War. As it happened, Chancellor Angela Merkel led Germans in expressing utter consternation when a neo-Nazi march in Charlottesville, Virginia ended in violence and death. That, of course, was the infamous Tiki Torch March in August 2017 to protect and preserve yet another prominent statue of Robert E. Lee. But the wonder and dismay is that so many Americans do not have even a scintilla of that famous Martin Niemöller consciousness that so many Germans clearly have, like a sixth sense. Uh, that's it. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contact me, I invite you to email anthonyhall279 at gmail.com or use the contact feature on my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening and... Until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.